Every single Sunday, we, we pray that you would encounter the living God, that you would have an experience, that you would have a life-altering experience. And so I just want to encourage you as you come into God's presence, you know, we are not, I, we don't, I don't have time to waste. I, I don't want to waste time just doing church. The whole point is for us to connect with our creator and to, and to grow spiritually and to grow deeper with him. And so that is my prayer for you this morning, that, that you would have a hope. That whether you're coming out of a storm, whether you're in the midst of a storm, or whether you're going into a storm, that the Holy Spirit would be with you and that the Holy Spirit would show you that Jesus is with you in the midst of this storm. And that's gonna be basically our theme for today. I have a, a special treat. You guys are gonna be super excited. Um, and, and this is all, it, it kind of all happened just, um, well, obviously sovereignly. The Lord planned this sovereignly. But one of the things that's the most important in understanding storms, and, and life is full of storms, right? We've all been through trials. We've all been through hardships. Our storms, the storms that come into our lives, it's like a cycle. You know, as I said, we're either coming out of a storm we're in the middle of a storm or we're going into a storm. One of the most important things to remember in going into a storm is to prepare so that you're not caught off guard, that you would prepare for the storm. You know, you see, if you've watched the news at all with the situation with Dorian, the people are going in and they're stripping the shelves of the grocery stores. They're taking all the water and they're taking bread and they're making these sandbags to hold back the storm and to try to protect themselves. They're doing these things desperately and intentionally. And in the same way, it's so important for us to recognize that, that God is going to allow us to experience storms, but not to let us be overtaken by them and to be overwhelmed by them. He wants us to be desperate for him so that we understand that he is with us. We're gonna to start today um, in Mark chapter six, verse, starting with verse 45. Now, if you remember, Peter is really the one who is kind of relaying these stories to Mark. When these stories were actually taking place, scholars estimate that Mark was probably only about 12 or 13 years old. So Peter is the guy who's telling who's kind of telling Mark what to write. Mark's a really factual guy. He just gets right down to the facts, but he also focuses on the miracles, and he focuses really on the divinity and the sovereignty of God. Um, so he starts out immediately after this. What he's referring to is, so you remember the story where Jesus fed 5,000 men, which, which really means families. He fed about 20,000 people with two fish and five loaves. And so it's saying immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida. So Jesus is telling them, you guys go on ahead. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to dismiss these people. And it says, Jesus sent the people home. It says, and after telling everyone goodbye, which I just love, that just makes Jesus so personable, doesn't it? He's like, bye guys. And it's, he says, after telling everyone goodbye, get this now, Jesus went up to the hills by himself to pray. Jesus, God in the flesh, even he found it important to get alone and to be with God. 
he got up into the hills and he went by himself to pray. And I think that's, you know, we're, we're moving into another series. We're going to take a little break from Mark. We're going to start in a few weeks a new series called Contending for God's Presence Through Prayer. And we're going to be talking about practicing the presence of the Holy Spirit, recognizing that he's always with us and understanding how do we pray. I mean, I think that's one of the things a lot of Christians really struggle with is they feel, first of all, they feel guilty because they don't pray. And then they, they don't know how to pray. So then that just heaps on more shame and more guilt. So we're really going to explore what does it really mean to pray? What is prayer really all about? Because if it's, a, if it's important for Jesus to do it, don't you think that it's important for us as well? Yeah. I love this quote. Matthew Henry says that we are never less alone than when we're alone with God. I'm going to say that again. We are never less alone than we are when we are alone with God. And I just remember so many times, it was, so, it was such a bittersweet season of my life right after my husband died because the presence of God was almost palatable. I, I mean, I literally, I could almost taste his presence. And it was so sweet because I was so broken. It was such a dark season, but yet, you know, the Lord says that he is near to the brokenhearted. And man, I'm telling you, there were those times where I was alone, but I knew that I wasn't alone. And that's really, that is my desire for each and every person within the hearing of my voice is that you would, you too, not that you'd have to go through what I went through, but that you would sense his presence because he really wants to pour out his spirit on us. He wants to speak to us. That's one of the things about relationship. You know, he does want to have a dialogue with us. He wants to have a conversation with us. And I'm not talking weird, you know, like, you know, hearing voices because that kind of want to avoid that. But to really understand what the Bible has to say about who God is so that when you hear something, you can discern and you can determine, is this God's voice or is this my voice or is this something demonic? And it's really important to prepare when you go through the storm. You don't want to prepare for that storm when you're in the midst of it. Then it's too late. Um, so today I said, I said I have a special surprise for you. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but about three years ago, um, I had my dear friend Kim Nowlin here, and she came and she spoke for a ladies' event we had here, and um, then she shared her story. She has a very unique story. Um, you know, we were talking about grief, because she just recently lost a niece, and um, just back in June, and, you know, we were talking about grief and how it is not even beneficial to compare grief. You know, it's not beneficial to compare, oh, well... Your trial's way worse than mine. All trials are rough. Amen? Amen. All trials are horrible. Amen? Amen? I mean, it is evidence, like it says in Hebrews 12, it says it's evidence that we belong to God. It's evidence that we have a heavenly father who disciplines us and who allows us to go through those things. But Kim's, her particular storm that she went through is, is very unique. And I think it kind of puts things into perspective when you hear her story, I think you'll be really blessed. Uh, she and I have been dear friends for a long time. We met in the nursery. We right? met in we were nursery. Just kids, yeah, just I was babies. potty trained. Yeah, she wasn't quite I potty wasn't trained. Yeah, no. But could you please welcome my dear friend Kim Nellen to share her story with you? Thank you. 
Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be here. Um, I'm with my daughter, Olivia, today, and uh, I do consider this like our home when we come to Utah. Um, I am one of the pastors at the church that this church came from. So if you are familiar with Stuart Nice, uh, he is my pastor, and I've been at that church since uh, 1990, a long time. Again, in the nursery. Yes. (laughs) In the nursery. So yes, Jody and I have been friends for for a very long time, and uh, she asked me, uh, I wasn't planning, you can see I don't have my preaching clothes on, I either look like I'm going to the beach or the circus, I'm not quite sure which one, more than likely the circus. Um, She asked if I would share my story, and it's funny um, about my story, a lot of you have heard this story, um, but it, uh, when Jody was saying that about the stories of the Bible, like there's always something we can learn. And for me, I love to tell my story because it, the glory that I can give to God, it's that reminder to me of how amazing that He is. Mm-hmm. And then when we do go through storms, and we will again and again, like as Jody mentioned, as I am right now with my um, the loss of my niece Lauren, um, 18 years old. Um, promising life ahead of her and she died in a rock climbing accident in Denver and um, so now I find myself with along with my family in another storm and oddly enough not oddly enough but the things that we've gone through before the idea is that we learn from those and that we can look back to those and say what God was faithful then I know he'll be faithful now Mm-hmm. And in terms of preparation, um, when Jody asked me, which point would you like to come in on? And when I prayed about it, I'm like, I'd love to talk about being prepared. Now, I am from California, well, I'm from Colorado, but I've lived in California for over 30 years. So I know a little about being prepared for earthquakes. And people always argue, like Florida and California, would you rather have earthquakes or would you rather have hurricanes? I honestly vote for earthquakes because they don't happen very often. Mm -hmm. Every single year we have hurricanes. And there's a little bit different of preparation also for those. So for me, since I don't know when an earthquake is ever going to happen, you have to be prepared ahead of time for when that happens. You have to have your earthquake kit. You have to have your escape route. You have to have your numbers in place so that you can call your family. You have to be prepared ahead of time. Whereas, as Jody alluded to right now, everyone in Florida, they're they're preparing in the midst. And that can work, but I'm going to vote we be prepared ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So that, because we know the storms are going to hit. We know the earthquakes. It is going to happen. Um, in terms of our, our lives and our spiritual lives, Jesus said that in this life you will have many trouble. You will, but I have overcome the world. That's the second part. Jesus has overcome this world. But this world crashes into our comfortable Christianity every single day. And so it's important for us to be prepared. And the way that we can be prepared for storms is, number one, is to know Jesus. And number two is to be known. So first with knowing Jesus, it's about getting into his word. That's how we can, how we can know him. I almost feel like, I'd love to see, have Jesus here in the flesh. I think that'd be like so awesome. But we have, I think, an advantage over the disciples because we have his word, his written word that he left for us, his love letter to us, his instructions for us. And he is the word. And that we can know him through his word. And that is what will carry us through storms. So for me, my earthquake happened in 1992. Um, March 10th, 1992, I was 28, had this great career. I was actually in the church that I currently 
Emma Pastor. Um, I knew Jody and Eric and um, all the team that came here from Utah. They were all my good friends. And so I was plugged into this church. So, you know, living the good Christian life, right? Until I, then I found myself in the backseat of my own car um, as I was shoved in the backseat of my own car by two young men with guns as I was leaving work, an 18-year-old and a 14-year-old boy. They were wanting to score some drugs. They needed some money. They saw me. Um, it was an opportunity. And here I am now in the backseat of my car. And I can tell you the millions of thoughts in a split second that went through. One of those, first of all, um, I recognized my broken theology. I was like, what? How could this be happening to me? I'm a Christian. <laughs> Things like this don't happen to Christians. Yeah, that's wrong. Uh, I also, I used to watch Law and Order all the time. I do not anymore because I do not find those things entertaining because I've lived a Law and Order episode. But that was a thought. Like, I, this doesn't happen in real life. This happens just on TV. Mm. And so then, the most amazing thing, I was terrified. I can't even describe with words how terrified that I was. But in the midst of that terror, I felt what it, call, it says in Philippians Philippians 4, the peace that surpasses all understanding. God got in my boat. God got in my VW bug with me in the back seat of my car. And the weight of his presence, as Jody just described, was palatable. I, I felt like, um, you know, the, you've heard of those weighted blankets that they use a lot for like um, autistic people and people who have trouble sleeping. It's a weighted blanket that just provides comfort. And that's what it felt like that Jesus was with me, even though I was not safe, I was not in a place of safety, but I knew that he was with me. And I knew that because I had spent time in his word. So as we uh, traveled up, up the road, um, I'm in the back seat of the car, there's not a third person with us. Thomas, we actually took my car to another place um, and got into a car, uh, the car that they had stolen, and are motoring up uh, Highway 280 or Highway 880. And the driver was super confused. Like, they never intended to kidnap anybody. They just wanted money. So he says to me, gosh, you're so calm. How can you be so calm? And I'm like, well, I'm praying. He's like, oh, you are? Are you a Christian? And I'm like, yes, I am. And he's like, well, that's great. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I... I thought to myself, I understand what you're saying, but I'm not really seeing the benefit right now of being a Christian. <laughs> but I get it. And I just thought, that's so odd. Like, why is he asking me these questions? And he kind of continued to talk like that um, throughout our trip. So we were headed to Oakland so they could score this drug deal. And as we got closer, I got more scared. And, like, who's going to come get me? This is before cell phones, people. So I don't know how I'm going to get home. If I, I just don't know. And so I'm pleading for my life. And the 14-year-old lets me know without a doubt that there will be no getting away, that they were going to rape me and kill me, and that was the plan that was in place. And so at that moment, another amazing sense of peace just washed over me, and I realized beyond a shadow of a doubt that I was in a win-win situation at that moment. Now, if I lived that night, which I wanted to live like you can't even believe, I wanted to get married, I wanted to have kids, I wanted to live my life, I wanted to live. So if I live that night, I win. But if I died that night, I win. Yeah. Because of what Jesus did on the cross. Mm -hmm. Because I have eternal life, 
I, we cannot lose, friends. We cannot lose. Even when facing physical death, you can't lose That's right. when you know Jesus because eternal life is our promise with him. And it was an amazing sense of peace to just be like, okay, you got this, God. You got this. And we went to the, got to a ho- the hotel, hotel um, that they were going to do this drug deal. And they had Thomas and I, he was the, the driver, get out to rent the room. And as we did that, he noticed an unmarked police car pull up behind the car we had just gotten out of. And they are currently searching the two guys. So he's like, we're getting out of here. So we are now on the streets of Oakland. And not knowing where to go. I don't know if you guys know about Oakland, but it's sketchy. Like, you don't want to be there at 10 o'clock at night. So we are... The here, and I, we're standing on the street corner, so I just asked him, I'm like, dude, what's your story? Like, you've been talking to me about my Christianity all night. What is that about? And he's like, oh, well, I actually grew up in the church. Uh, my mom is a pastor back in Ohio. I'm like, well, I guess you're a little backslidden right now, but uh, <laughs> not to judge you or anything, but I don't think this is what your mom had in mind. Um, so I... Very interesting. So we went to a liquor store. We asked if we could get help. They said no. But next to the liquor store was a church. It was a storefront church. And it said this was the Temple of Prayer and Deliverance Church. And I'm like, awesome. I need both of those right now. (laughs) So I'm like, maybe somebody's in there. I don't know. So we go in. And uh, it was a a woman pastor. Hallelujah. and, uh, And some women and children, they had just finished their Bible study. And they welcomed us. They were used to people coming in. Um, we hopefully looked better. They're used to drug dealers and addicts and prostitutes wandering in. Um, so we wander in. Uh, I go back. I'm bawling at this point. Use the bathroom and ask to use the phone. And so as I'm doing that, I'm calling my friends, asking, you know, letting them know what happened. Eric was one of the ones that uh, they called my pastor, um, actually, someone that they called, and I came out into the sanctuary when I was done. And there's Thomas on his knees, hands in the air, pastor's praying for him. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I need prayer, not this guy. <laughs> me, I need the prayer. And he, she's praying, she's operating in the gift of the spirit, the word of knowledge, and she knew things about him. She was praying about his mom. She was praying things that only the spirit could have told her. And I told the other women what had happened that night. And they were like, oh, my gosh, does he have a gun? And I'm like, I don't know. And just then he reached into his, his coat pocket and he pulls out a pack of cigarettes and throws them to the ground. Like, you know, suddenly he's delivered from smoking. And so, yeah, imagine me telling this story to the police. Yeah, it was lovely. Um, and it was at that moment, though, again, that sense of peace. I knew. I was not near home. I was in a foreign place. I was, I was safe. I knew I was safe. I knew God's presence was with me, and I was safe. And my friends came. Pastor Stuart Nice was one of the men waiting in that van for me. Thomas ran. I went in the van and just sobbed my eyes out all the way back to San Jose. And that led into one of the most difficult years of my life and one of the most amazing, awesome years of my life. Mm. Because the only thing that was left was my foundation. I don't think I was a foolish builder, but obviously I had built a life. But the storm came, and it wiped everything out. But I had my foundation. My foundation for the Lord to to begin to 
to rebuild. And my quiet times during that time were just so amazing because that's all that I had. And so uh, the last thing with um, going to court with, with, they caught everybody. And so Eddie, the 18-year-old, was the, um, the instigator. So he's the one I went to trial with. And I remember the day before the trial, they walked me through the courtroom so I would understand what was going to be going on. And this is the first and only time that I have physically with my eyes seen angels. And so they said, Kim, this is the witness stand. This is where you will bear witness tomorrow. And that's a scary thing when your life, you feel like your life is on the line once again. And I saw two angels, and they were integrity and uprightness, and they both had their arms folded. And God said, because in Psalm um, 25, it says that integrity and uprightness will be your rear guard. And there they were standing behind the witness stand, and I'm so glad they were because the next day in the trial, I misspoke while on the stand. I said something, I got words confused, and I thought that all hug was lost, like he would go free now because of what I said, but God's like, I got your back. Hmm. Integrity and uprightness are your guard. And when the verdict came in seven days later, he was found guilty on all charges. Um, there were also there were weapons charges, there was a sexual assault that took place, and he was guilty on all, on all charges, and so God had my back. And so I had no idea that this is what, like what I'm doing now was not my plan. What I want to encourage you with is that these storms that you're going through, they actually, when you allow them to, when you give them to God, they will prepare you for what he has for you. Even the most evil thing, because in Genesis, it, Joseph said to his brothers, which you intended for evil, God intended for good and for the saving of many lives. And that's what God does. You guys are going to be studying Romans Romans 8, like, yeah, hello, I love Romans 8. For all things work together for good for those who love Christ Jesus and are called according to his purpose. God will use the things that come into your life to shape you. He's not bringing them into your life. People said, oh, yeah, that happened because you needed to be more like God, (laughs) which I'm sure I do. I still do. (laughs) But that's not why. That's what. God is like, I will, when you surrender to him and say, God, I, and I did, I'm like, I don't know what to do with this mess. I I got nothing. You have to take it, Lord. Because your circumstances are going to shape you one way or the other. It will either be a tool in God's hand and he will shape you in the beautiful, beautiful shape of him. Or the trial itself will shape you. And that is not a good tool. It's anger. It's bitterness. And so it's going to shape you, friends. So give it to him. And lastly, in being prepared. So know Jesus. Be known, friends. Be known. God got me through this. But I got to tell you, if it wasn't for the Van Rees and all of my family at Valley Life Church, I don't know that I'd be standing strong. They carried me through their prayers, being with me, being willing to walk this road with me, though they had no clue what that road was. I want to encourage you, if you are here today, that you dig some deep roots, and that I don't care how ugly your story is. Allow yourself to be known. That is, there's such safety in that, to be known, because honestly, I... I I was connected, but I did not know who was going to... I thought, who could I call to come pick me up? 
I didn't, I didn't think that I was close enough to anybody mm. that someone would care enough to come and pick me up. So I want to encourage you, no matter where you're at, come and go in, in the middle of a storm, that first of all, know Jesus. Get to know him. He loves you. And be willing to be known. Thank you, Kim. Thank you, my friend. Yeah, I, I've heard that story probably 40 or 50 times, and every single time I hear it, I, I get more out of it. I hear something, some different angle of it that's so amazing. So that was one reason I wanted to have her come and share. Um, not only because it's, it's an incredible story of God's faithfulness and God's delivering power, but also because of the insight that she's gained from it. And, and like Kim said, you know, when we go through the storms of life, it's either going to mess us up or it's going to make us more Christ-like. It's going to make us more faithful, and it's going to make us more and more like Jesus. And um, I have a dear friend who actually is a survivor of breast cancer. She had stage four breast cancer. And I asked her at one point, I said, what was the main thing you learned going through that trial? And she said, the main thing that I learned is whatever you invest in is that from which you will withdraw. If you invest in God's word, in the Bible, and in God's people, you will be able to withdraw when you go through the hard times and when you are completely depleted. And, and I think that's the thing Kim was trying to say too, is be prepared by knowing, knowing the spirit of the Lord, knowing the spirit of God's voice, and knowing what the Bible has to say, not only about him and who he is, but also what he says about you and who, who you are in his sight. I mean, it's so important. So let's, let's continue on here in Mark, starting in uh, verse 47. It says, late that night. So now remember, Jesus has asked his disciples to go. He's told them to go. He's staying back. He's going to pray. And it says, the disciples were in the boat in the middle of the lake. Jesus was alone on land. And it says in verse 48, it says, he saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves. Now, when you read this, just like, like Kim was saying, you could look at this and go, well, the disciples must have been in rebellion, except that it said earlier back, it said, Jesus insisted that they go. He asked them to go. You know, and I think, I think sometimes our theology gets really messed up because we think that if we do everything right, somehow God owes us, right? Don't we? We think, well, if I do everything right, then I'm never going to have to go through anything difficult. That is really, really immature theology because God uses our suffering. I mean, I love that quote that says that without great suffering, you cannot become great, that it is through the suffering and being able to share with others. And, you know, when I look back on my own life and some of the things that I've been through and the things that I'm able to speak into people's lives, to, to offer hope from the things that I've been delivered from. And now I would never wish what I went on anyone. I mean, not losing your spouse or even, you know, just some of the stuff that God has had to deliver me from. The drugs and the promiscuity and the eating disorders and all of that. But, it, but there's, a certain, there's a certain comfort that you can have 
Even in 2 Corinthians, it says that you, you will comfort others with the same comfort you have received. And so here, Jesus is telling the disciples, I want you to go do this because I'm going to do something in your life. And I believe that right now there are those of you in here, and that is the word of the Lord to you. Jesus is saying, you don't understand why you're in this storm right now. You don't understand. You're confused. You're not sure what, if, if you're being punished, you're not sure what is going on. But Jesus is saying, you can trust him because he's going to do something miraculous in your life. And he sees you struggling. He sees you rowing hard against the wind and the waves, like it says here. And you know, there, there are four reasons that storms take place in our lives, okay? The first one Sometimes it is, we are being disciplined. Sometimes we make foolish choices. Amen? Can you elbow the person next to you and go, you do that sometimes. No, don't, don't really. Uh, sometimes we make foolish choices, right? And we deal with natural consequences. But sometimes the storms that we enter are, are not because we've done anything wrong, like the disciples hadn't done anything wrong. Sometimes the storms that we enter come because of the foolish decisions of others. People who have sinned against us, either they, they betray us or they abuse us. For some of you, you've been molested. You know, for some of you, your spouse has cheated on you. I mean, these things come, these storms come not because of something that you did, but because of the choices of others. But Jesus still wants you to know, no matter what, he is still with you in the middle of that storm. Um, another thing is just life. You know, when, when sin entered the world, there, there became just natural consequences. You know, uh, sometimes, or, or not even consequences, I mean just natu natural disasters. Storms, hurricanes, cancer. Um, you know, you get fired from your job or whatever. You know, there are just things that happen. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. And then the fourth reason is sometimes it's spiritual warfare. We're entering into spiritual warfare. Remember last week, Kevin was talking about the demon-possessed man who came into their church and, and what a trial that was. But yet how God was glorified in the midst of that. And that is the promise that he holds out is that he will be glorified no matter what, whether we understand it or not. And I, and I think oftentimes when we, when we go through a storm, I think the most predominant thing we experience initially is confusion, right? When you go into a storm, you're just like, what? I guess denial first, but then, then you're like, what is happening? You get fired or you get a bad diagnosis or your best friend betrays you or something happens or you hit financial hardships or whatever. And it's confusing. It's very confusing. And, and again, you know, I love this line where it says, he saw that the disciples were in serious trouble. And here's the miraculous thing. Jesus was on the shore and this is three o'clock in the morning. And yet he could see his disciples. And that's what he wants you to know is that he sees you. He sees your struggle. He knows what you're going through. He understands. 
You know, it says in Isaiah 53 that he's been through all the same things. He understands. It says that he was despised. He was rejected. He is a man of sorrows. He's familiar with our grief. He knows our pain. He sees us struggling against the wind and the waves. And yet, it says at three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. This wasn't like this common thing. Jesus is walking on the water. And it says he intended to go past them. He was just going to, you know, kind of just stroll. Hey, guys, what's up? (laughs) But it says that when they saw him walking on the water, they acted just like we would. And it says they cried out in terror. They're like, ah! Sorry, I should have warned you. They, were, they cried out in terror. I mean, we like to read this story and go, those guys are so ridiculous. No, you would do the same thing. If you were in the middle of a storm on the Sea of Galilee, which isn't actually really a sea, it's more like a large lake. But if you were, it's three o'clock in the morning, there's this horrible storm, it's pitch black outside, you're rowing as hard as you can, and all of a sudden you see a dude walking on the water. I mean, you know, you'd scream too. (laughs) You, You like to think you wouldn't. It says, they were all terrified when they saw him. You know, the Bible does say it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You know, we, we do, Jesus did say to us, he says, I, I used to call you my servants, but now I call you friends. But never forget, he is the sovereign, holy, righteous, almighty, powerful God. You know, it's like, yeah, you want to see Jesus as your buddy, but Jesus is not your peer. Okay, Jesus is God, almighty. Can you just say that right now? I feel like we need, to, we need to come against the spirits of darkness that would deny that. Say, Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Say it again. Jesus, Jesus is God. God. So here, God himself is walking on the water. And it says they cried out in terror, thinking that Jesus was a ghost. They were terrified, and he spoke to them at once. I love that. He's walking on the water, and he sees how terrified they are. It says, and he spoke to them at once because he's a compassionate God. Even though he's all powerful, he is filled with compassion. And it says, don't be afraid. Take courage. And why? Because I am here. This is the ego Amy. This is, this is the I am. He is saying, I am God. They understood this. He was saying, I am the sovereign God. You don't need to be afraid. And I'm saying this to you today. My, my beloved brother and sister, whatever you're going through, he sees you. He knows. Yeah, he hears your cries. <laughs> he does. He sees you straining against the wind and the waves. He sees you going through this. He understands your confusion, but he's saying to you, do not be afraid. Kim talked about, um, uh, what was it, righteous, uh, righteousness and uprightness? No, what was it? Uh, integrity. integrity and uprightness. This is our God. He is full of integrity and he is for you. 
and he doesn't want you to be afraid. You don't need to fear, whether it's a financial thing, whether it's a medical thing, whether it's a relational thing, you do not need to fear because why? Why not? He is with you. He says, I am here. I am here. You know, his name, the I am, the, the scholars, the scribes that would copy the transcripts of the Bible, did you know that when they were going to write the name of God, they would get up from their station and they would go and bathe first before they would even write that name. They would go bathe and then they would come back and they would write his name. Then they would go bathe again. That is how holy and righteous that name is. And he is saying, I am with you. I am God. I am the way and the truth and the life. Jesus is with us in that storm. And that's the, that's the point. Yes, we go through storms. We have to go through storms. No great person has ever become great without great suffering. And we don't like that, do we? You know, we just want to read the book. We don't want to take the test, you know. We just want to read the Bible and know it. But God is saying, no, you're going to go through these things, but I am with you. You don't need to be afraid. He is saying, God's got this. My husband used to say that all the time. God's got this. God's got this. Whatever your storm, whatever your trial, God's got it. He hasn't forgotten you. He's not ignoring the cries of your heart. He is with you because it says here in verse 55, it says, then Jesus climbed into the boat and what happened? The wind stopped. So imagine this scene. Three o'clock in the morning, the disciples have obeyed. They're out there. They're straining against the wind. They're struggling. It's pitch black. The wind is whipping around them. The waves are blowing. All of a sudden, they see Jesus walk on the water. Ah! They scream, and all of a sudden, Jesus gets in the boat. Boom. Peace. This, the wind stopped. And that's what he wants to do in your life. He wants you to stop freaking out. He wants you to stop trying to figure out how you're going to get yourself out of this. He wants, you know, one of my favorite verses is the one who called you is faithful and he will do it. He wants you, I, I was talking with Kim yesterday. It's not about trying harder. It's about surrendering more and letting Jesus get into the boat with you so that that wind will stop. And it says here that the disciples were totally amazed. <laughs> now, this is unfathomable, but again, this is probably what I would do. They still didn't even understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. They still didn't get it. But I believe, even though it says here their hearts were too hard to take it in, I believe that this was the moment that they began to see he is the sovereign, all-powerful God when he got in that boat and the wind stopped. And we can learn from this, and that is why we go through storms. We go through storms for ourselves so that our own faith and character is developed. But, but like Kim, you know the evil one? He wanted to destroy her life. 
He wanted to take this kidnapping and he wanted to use it to destroy her, to take her out. But instead, God has turned it around and now she offers hope to people who are in hopeless situations. Because you don't see on law and order where they come to the temple of prayer and deliverance and the pastor gets a word of knowledge and suddenly the, the kidnapper is on his knees repenting. You don't see that on law and order. You should, that'd be a great episode. I would love that one. <laughs> but we can learn from our storm. Can I invite the worship team to come back up? We're gonna, um, we're gonna worship the Lord one more time. We're gonna uh, sing that song again. And I want you to declare it unto the Lord. This, this particular chapter finishes out with, um, after they had crossed the lake, they landed at the Gennesaret and they brought the boat to shore and climbed out. The people recognized Jesus at once and ran throughout the entire area, carrying sick people on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went in villages, cities, or countryside, they brought out the sick to the marketplaces. It says they begged him to let the sick just touch the fringe of his robe. And all who touched him were healed. All who touched him were healed. That's what he wants you to know today. Is that he's not, he's not this God that's just out there, that's just an intellectual idea, idea or ideology. He is the God who draws near. Here's a couple of scriptures that, that this first one, this really got me through my, my grieving time. Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous, do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. Don't be confused. He's saying, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Isaiah 41.10, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and courageous. Do not fear. You see, you're seeing a pattern here, right? We tend to fear we freak out, and God is saying, don't freak out. Don't be afraid, because I am with you. I am with you. And so whatever your storm is today, I don't know all of the stories of what's going on in your lives, but I know that there are those of you who are going through terrible storms. Either that or you're just coming out of one or you're going into one. And the Lord his, his word to you today is don't be afraid. Take courage. I'm with you. 